0: Hello, everyone. My name is Monica Glieberman, and you're listening to Silence On Set Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. Basically, I wanted to find out, first of all, I did some research and saw that you were kind of like maybe thinking of ending acting. Like you were like, I think this is not for me. And then yeah. somehow ended up on Outlander. So, what was that process? Like, what happened?
1: Um, yeah, God, um, yeah, jump right in at the deep end. I mean, yeah, obviously this industry is tough. Uh, there's much worse industries for sure, but um, yeah, I, I there's you know, like I always like talk about the fact that there's you know there's very much two sides of acting, right? You either like hit the ground running, and every, there's just you're drowning in jobs, or there's nothing. Um, it's very much famine or drought. And um yeah, I mean I've I've gone through yeah to to many people, you know, I've been very lucky. I've been in I've worked in loads and loads of theaters, been in some incredible like after winning shows and things. Um, but yeah, like I've gone probably about two uh stents now of like two years without work and like I've been lucky to be auditioning, you know, but um it's just yeah the constant rejection definitely I think people used to ask me like how how do you deal with that and I I don't know um yeah I think it's really it's really I I think when you're the product as well it's like a weird thing where it's like it does it feels like it's reflected on you and you as a person and how you look like there's just so um yeah it's an absolute minefield for mental health for sure and I just I just really hit a wall and I was um I felt like I was just flogging a dead horse and I was just, I was over it. I was very much over it. And I think um, part of it was just that I couldn't, I just feel like very much like a square peg in a round hole consistently. So I think that was like the, the toughest thing. And I went on a break, which actually was the most healthiest thing I've ever done. And I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> um, as an actor, you've just got to be like on it all the time. Um, you know, drop everything. At, you know, friends' birthdays, whatever. Like, you just have to drop it all. Learn lines and travel across the country constantly. Yeah, I think I took a break, and it meant that I didn't know if I wasn't getting jobs, which was half of the battle. Um, so that definitely helped. And then I tentatively said yes to auditioning for Outlander again because this was this was the fourth part in Outlander that I had gone up for. This was um. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah. So, so you audition- had. So you were put you. Auditioned or were put up
0: for four different
1: roles well, to get them. Yeah, auditioned and like got, you know, I'd maybe get recalls, whatever. I'd um, you know, send in tapes, go down to London or whatever. Um, yeah, since season one. So probably before I I was aware of Outlander, I guess before or Outlander as a TV show, uh, you know, before any of it had started. Obviously, you know, book readers have been fans for decades, but um, yeah, so. I mean that edition was the worst edition of, of my life. I don't know if you have seen any of that, but um have you heard of this? Have you heard about this?
0: No, I haven't. And I was actually gonna ask you, I'm like, what four parts did you try to go up for? Absolutely. Um
1: so, Yeah, the four the first one I auditioned for was for in yeah, in the 40s timeline, um, with the scene, the scene with Frank, where he um meets a woman in the bar who like leads him down a fake trail to find Highlander and so yeah it was a small part but like yeah a good one nonetheless and I just graduated and I went down to um I was in London so I saw the London-based casting director which means I was actually in the room for this edition it wasn't like a self-tape but um yeah she gets choked Frank chokes her up against the wall so I um I had to choke myself up against the wall and um I stepped back and I stepped back on the casting director's backdrop. The backdrop fell, the scaffold and fell, and the pole fell on my head. And um yeah, and it's all on tape somewhere. So yeah, grin, grim, grin, grin. And then I had that to like definitely would have happened to me. <laughs> yeah, I did, like, reconstruct it and then do it again. And I was, like, on the phone to my agent crying afterwards, like, it was the worst edition I've ever had. And I was so new. I was, like, new, sparkling, um, yeah, new actor. And that was, like, just grim. So I auditioned for that role, and then I auditioned for... Uh, morag mckenzie uh roger Mackenzie's great 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 grandmother um, who he meets on the boat over to america and um, yeah she was like a similar sort of role gets roger in trouble again and um yeah has like you know a young child baby so i think it's a, a similar vibe and um, i think the addition scene for that was much more flirtatious or no i made it that way <laughs> um but yeah whatever the 1700s version of flirting is and then i auditioned for epi the hair <laughs> who has that uh, a wonderful scene with stephen bonnet but um yeah i mean all the actresses that got it are great and um i can see why i didn't get them but yeah i'm so happy that I held out for this but yeah, yeah
0: that's, it's so funny because i feel like with Amy there are similar characteristics for the all four like all of your previous auditions Mm -hmm. there are like pieces I think kind of of each one that you tried out for that didn't get which is kind of funny but as a viewer I can't imagine you playing those like I see you (laughs) fully as Amy because like you were so good Mm -hmm. that I couldn't imagine you swapping out anyway so I guess that's the whole beauty of the casting right that they can see something that like we don't see and they're yeah. able to put something together.
1: Always, like, um, definitely, uh, these these two sides of acting, you know, unless you are a name that is going to be putting butts on seats, ultimately, for the most part, you tend to get cast and tend to get seen as things are close to yourself, especially in TV. The is a bit more flexible, you know, I've played things that are further away from me because the audience are also further away, <laughs> which helps. But, um, yeah, in TV, it's very much... Uh, they can kind of smell when you're not when when you're putting on a bit of a front but I found it
0: funny because when you were talking about like yeah like I think I, you know I don't know if I was like done or like how hard this was and I needed a mental break the irony is like people can't see it I could see you but what they'll hear is that behind you is a Thelma and Louise poster which I find hilariously ironic because you're like yeah I don't know I need to break. Like, I was done. <laughs> done. And then there's, there's this beautiful, like, poster behind you. And I, I love that movie.
1: And oh, a lot yeah,
0: of stuff stands movie. behind
1: that movie. There's but, a funny story behind this because I did. Um, well, actually, my mom had been telling me to watch it for years. And I did, I, did, I don't know. I just had put putting it off. And um, I, yeah, it's, it's my favorite movie. And what I, the more I delved into it, the more I loved. Because actually I, I started writing during, um, uh, during COVID like the very first lockdown in like March 2020 and um, I just come back from LA and I was like convinced that I was going to stick in acting I, I was like I'm going to do it and then COVID hit so I was like ugh um, and I started writing and I'd never delved into any of that before and yeah Thelma is a huge inspiration to me because um, it's Callie Curry that wrote the script it's like one of our I think our first ever screenplay or certainly like first produced thing which is just absolute madness and I actually um I wrote a pilot the first thing I wrote was a pilot and then um, a tv pilot and it's now been optioned which is wild and actually I, I named one of the characters Callie after Callie Courier that wrote and Louise because I just I don't know she's just cool and also it's like Callie Caledonian; it's a Scottish um Scottish characters
0: again so so that's amazing so like to kind of go off track I mean I'll, I'll, I'll bring you back to Outlander I promise so during COVID what inspired you to literally just go you know what I want to ride a pilot yeah like I mean it was day. never
1: it was it was never something that I thought I could do I mean I've been bloody Diana Gabaldon didn't think she could do it either like Outlander was a practice so like that 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 kind of energy I'm like here for I'm very much like let me try this one thing and then um yeah I guess I've got more I feel like I've got more control than I ever have with with acting weirdly enough um because it's just like there's nothing really in between you and a laptop like it's just like it's on you if you don't do the work um but in terms of RCS when I when I was there I went um from 2011 to 2014 and um we had like a module called on the verge where for like this these two weeks you either you do something that isn't acting so it could be writing directing, or whatever my one of my best friends Megan Tyler who's an incredible playwright and writer who was in my year as an actor she wrote a play and I directed it so that was my first like I've directed for theater as well so that was like my first experience of Directing for theatre, um. But even then, I was like, no, I can't write. And there's, there's this weird stigma about it, which I've realised now I've come out of it. Is that I think when you're at drama school and you're working as a well, you're acting nine to six every day, and you've got a network around you that understands you, and you're never. you know it feels very much like you have a reason to wake up in the morning and the reason is the thing that you love and that's very helpful and that's three years that you go through that um, and you get a degree at the end of it so bloody jammy and then you've got this endless abyss afterwards and I think when you're in that bubble it's really easy to hope or I don't think anyone ever assumes that they will get work when they leave like so there's this weird stigma about writing your own work is like only because you've not been successful it's like it's it's a it's a mean to an end kind of thing and weirdly I don't write for myself because I feel like this industry has pummeled my confidence so low that I just I I'm always like no someone else would be better at it and also I just kind of I don't want to there, were, there may come a time where I write in, it, in something or a director or whatever but I feel like you know it takes it takes a village doesn't it the reason I started um was because my my best friend, uh, Chess, forced me to write this story, and she was going to Norway to stay in a cabin in the woods for a month to write a horror movie. And she was like, "I don't want to go alone. Can you come and be killed with me?" And I was like, "Okay." It was it was just after things had got um, relaxed, you know, flight wise and stuff. But it was still, so, you know, there still really wasn't things going on. And things weren't filming, and yeah, we went and we went into a cabin in the woods, and I guess what I've been surprised with is how much writing especially dialogue is like part of you as an actor
0: yeah and I think it's you know it was kind of smart for you and your friends like go off because when you're a journalist and like I, I write something and I put it out there I kind of like forget like I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah like no one's gonna read it and like you know people yeah. read it and I'm like oh that's great you know like and you get your positive and your negative but I feel like you know for me, I took advantage of it as I got known in the journalism world and in the PR right. world. I feel like you did perfect timing of taking advantage of it, even if you wrote beforehand, but like when Outlander is coming out, people know you now. So like your name's known. So to write something might give you a little more, mm-hmm. you know, of an umph than <laughs> if you just like graduated, sure. no one knew who you were, you wrote something. And then you're like working yeah. five jobs and like trying to get it, you know, picked up or whatever. Oh, so I think you yeah. did like a great, and then also having a friend i think helps too it's so hard. Very yeah good. the
1: routine the routine thing is really i i've not mastered it and that's that's what i'm about to go into is because the script has been optioned yeah i've got kind of addicted and i've written a short and i've written this pilot and i've written a play and i'm writing a, i'm calling it a book i'm doing a proper um oh god what's her name fox <laughs> i'm like yeah i would do it myself um yeah i've written a book um it's definitely not a masterpiece um but i've not written a book i'm starting to but i'm just like i don't really know what i'm seeing what i can do because obviously you know when someone is like i like this but it'd be better as a play, or i like this but it's a film it's not a a series or whatever and i think it's good to be able to do all of that um but yeah having like your tribe that you can send stuff to that you trust is like so
0: so important it always starts off scary and then you kind of learn from it but i do agree like having a tribe and someone that you can kind of send your stuff to mm-hmm. and um, you know, talk about it and, you know, even be comfortable with someone going like, Hey, like here's like, you know, nice criticism. Like these are some yeah. things that like, you might want to change and just like to feel comfortable. So like, you know, that's really nice. Uh, so basically there was a supernova does scholarships and they raise money for mm-hmm. students that attend RCS, which is a school in Scotland that focuses on the arts and offers amazing, like, you know, a million different programs that, you know, students can attend to. And so they host a gala every single year. So you came, you were sweet enough to go and, you know, you talk about your experience at Outlander, talk about your experience at the school to have you at the gala was so nice. And all the donors get to come in and they get to see you guys live, like, you know, and there's a whole planned out kind of like agenda. And, you know, you're there to just talk and support about the school basically, and like your experience there. So why was it so important for you to participate
1: in that? Yeah, I mean, I was approached by them and I, I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of uh, their um, scholarship before, but this is only the second year that they've done it. So like it was brand new and like very much, you know, in and of itself as a grad, I mean, I graduated like so oh good, seven years ago or something. Um, But I am extremely lucky because as a Scottish student, our fees are mainly paid by the government right that was extremely fortunate for me it took me four years to get into the conservatoire like I don't know why four is a lucky number and um, I'd auditioned when I was like 17 18 19 and then 20 um and I had got into other places and I'd done like um the foundation degree at one place which was extremely expensive and um and then kept going until I got in there because that was the only place I wanted to go um I have nothing but good things. I mean, you know, it's an institution. Every institution is learning, and we're all learning together. So, you know, there's not um, no institution is without its, its issues. But I had an incredible time there. For me, it was really important to talk about that at the gala because, and talk about the the realities of it, of being in this industry. I think it's all well and good to like get a job or be an actor and be quite up your own arse about it, like, and and pretend like it's come easy. I very much wanted to go there and talk to these donors and stuff about the realities of how a, hard how hard it is to get into a school like that and how hard it is afterwards especially financially
0: so if you were in school at this at this time and you had gotten you know what you got from from the government but you had a leftover bill or you were graduating and you have to get headshots now and reels yeah. and websites yeah. and all these things that nobody tells you that you have to pay for you yeah. know <laughs> How would that of scholarship had made a difference if that oh. was available for you? And it would be if you were awarded
1: one. I mean, completely life-changing, like genuinely, because every opportunity, like as an actor, I think what a lot of people don't realize, or maybe they do, but like you are talking about like literally one edition away. And I'm not chasing fame, beneficiaries of imagination. I don't think any I don't think any actor worth or salt is actually chasing that that is the difference between things moving fast for you things moving slow like one addition if you can't afford to get on I cannot tell you the amount of times that I took the bus to London from Glasgow which is a 10-hour bus and um it's beyond grim I'm not gonna lie to you like it's grim um and up and down because it was like and it was going to be like 10, 15 pounds or whatever. It was like all I could afford and all my family could afford. And, you know, they I've been very fortunate that they've been able to support me in what little, you know, way they, they can. And I'm an only child, which does help. But like, it, it just, it, having to like not be, not being able to go to an addition because you can't afford it is like, is the reality of having something happen for you and having something propel you into being, you know being the actors that the majority of people you know look on their tv or on their socials and see and think that that's like it's just any of that money it's yeah it is just so expensive and even like um although i will say that i mean our equity equity here is like 140 something pounds a year and spotlights around the same sag at sag in the us is like 3 grand to join or something it's like i mean yeah. And I think the assumption is that you will be, you know, only when you're earning a certain amount of money, do, are, are you actually legitimate in this industry? And I just, I think that's, yeah, it's just, it, it's just not
0: the way. People all, you know, just think like, oh, if you study as an actor, you're going to graduate and you're going to become famous. And then if you don't become famous until then, you don't really have to worry too much. You'll work other jobs. Like, but they don't realize there's so much money and so much time and so much goes into the auditioning and so much goes into the headshots and all of the stuff that you need. It's not really like so simple as just graduating and showing up to an audition. But I was talking about this the other day when you're, like, a kid, I feel like, like, you know, a young child, like, four, you know, whatever, before, like, our fun insecurities that we somehow learn, and, like, you know, before we start doubting ourselves and all these horrible things kind of we put in into play with the world, you would, like, draw something and you think it's, like, the best thing you've ever done. And, like, your yeah. mom it up and, like,
1: you Wait. have no problems. Yeah, you're like I'll be I'll be a cop and you be the robber and I'll be this and you be this yeah. and, like, and you and like you don't even think about it. Yeah. Do you know yeah. on on this subject, one of the reasons I started writing was because I did The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, um, I have. Yeah, it's and that talks about that, like that sort of um like you have to write lists of like things that you liked when you were a kid, or like you know, candy that you got when you were a kid and like you Like actively over the course of twelve weeks, like get back into that vibe. And I, I had written things down that I was like, "This is ridiculous." Like, yeah, I used to like rollerblading or used to like roller skating or whatever. And then like a week later, I'm like looking on. Our Craigslist is called Gumtree, and I'm like sitting in a driveway at bear's den buying this this teenager's roller skates off her because I'm like, "Uh, and this person again. And that before, yeah, before you get to that place of just complete self-doubt and rejection and and I think that's why I have a I have much more respect you know I respect everybody anyone doing any sort of craft like this I respect but I I, th- I think that's why a lot of people respect Sam Hewin is because a he's really honest about like how he sort of you know things weren't going well for him and like it's just the reality of um how you know overnight something like that can can change for you but he was you know he was working incredible theaters in the UK and doing incredible work and like just not getting you know recognized for his talent in the same way as he is now obviously because he's in a he's in a big thing but like that graft and that that the good person that you have to be to 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 do that and not have it handed to you is is I think what um I was experiencing on that that gala when we're talking about him and you know and his sort of videos and stuff that he'd done for it um and on set like he was just so lovely and they must you know Sam and Katrina must have so many people come and go all the time Um, but I think the fact that they you know it it was my biggest job that I'd done it was most of the people's biggest job that they'd done and it was Sam and Kat's biggest job you know like so I think everybody can go back to their first day on set when they don't feel like uh, you know you've got maybe not got the goods to back it up or and, and it's hard especially especially in tv and film because you get zero rehearsal you know in theater people are like oh you're doing in front of loads of people and you're doing yeah you're doing it in front of thousands of people but you've
0: so you rehearsed for like a month you know, yeah like, a, yeah, like month. just,
1: yeah, like, just before um just after Outlander I did a you know I played the lead in a huge theater here and like that was like the most intimidating role to step into that but I was comfortable by the time we got. I mean, not comfortable, but like I knew what I was doing. My pressing, thing, you know, like film and TV, you just kind of <laughs> thrust upon a set that you've never seen before, and thrust around people that you've never met before, and it's very, it's um, yeah, trying to trying to concentrate where all the hardware and everything is going on around you is is like another another skill in itself. But I I think I think the respect and the of. Uh, having done theatre, at least having a respect for it and a respect for people, other people being uncomfortable rather than stepping on set with any sort of ego. There's just no room for that. And if you're coming at it from, you know, my perspective, my trajectory, or Sam's trajectory, where you're not graduating immediately, you know, famous or Yeah, there's um,
0: a much more of an appreciation, and I think also like we were talking about, like your inner child, right? So like when you're in theater, you get to play that inner child, and I feel like you work on bringing that back into you, like you know, and trying to. And now, listen, it's not a perfect you know situation, right? You're still auditioning, you hear rejection, and you know, there's still a shield you have to put up. But like when you do a player, you get something that you are working on. I do feel like there's ways of you kind of shaking off some of that and getting back into your job and having fun and playing with it. And I think that shows, and I, and I actually think I agree with you. I actually really think that, yes, would I want everybody to graduate and start making millions of dollars, of course, right. That's what you want to you know do, but to start in the arts, whether it's theater, to start maybe on a small TV show that nobody you watch, whatever it is mm-hmm. to learn and to work and to sweat and then get something big. Mm -hmm. I feel like you and the people I've interviewed always seem much more nicer and like because they appreciate so much more and, you know, versus people that, you know, I've talked to that, you know, got it like, you know, their first audition and I'm like, oh, well, that's great. Like, you know, I'm sure millions of people really want to hear about that, you know, but again, I don't knock those people. Obviously, that's great for them and it's wonderful, but I do think there has to, you know, you can't deny that there's much more of an appreciation if you worked much harder for it. And so you know for you you know how you mentioned like Sam and Kat were so amazing and obviously there's hundreds of people in Atlanta. I mean I just can't even like my brain over the years you know with all these people kind of in and out what was
1: it like for you when you stepped on set what was the experience like it's well yeah it's hard like I've never done this before where you're going into something that's been going for six you know for six years they're, they're a family you know they're playing a family and they're also a family as a cast like that's You know, and you can never, there's absolutely no expectation that you'd ever really penetrate that or anything like it's, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I'm very much aware of that. Also, we did it during a pandemic. So that was like a huge, huge thing. We were like separated. We had to keep our masks on. It felt, there was like a twinge of guilt whenever you were like, especially at the start, you know, when I I think over, I was filming for like six months over the, you know, on and off very much. So, but things eventually got a little bit easier thing, you know, I think then we were able to move outside because there wasn't snowstorms. So it was tricky. My first scene was um, when Richard offers Amy um, the cabin, and there was quite a lot of people on set. It was the first time I'd met Richard. It was the first, in fact, I'd seen him around at the baths and stuff like that, but I'd never like properly chatted to him. First time I'd met Sophie, first time I'd met Alex Vahos, um, and also the first time I'd physically met Caleb, who plays my son. And that that was a weird like thing because he was looking at me for answers that i didn't necessarily have because i hadn't been on a set for 2 years um, and it's just this kind of they've already been working for a couple of weeks the um i think the directors and everybody Uh, by the monitors is like far away so if you have a question there's just really that that always takes me by surprise how sometimes it's quite it feels quite separate and you've got to quickly because of continuity you've got to quickly choreograph something that you stick to putting your the same hand on it is like very overwhelming yes they sort of introduce you but also they got everybody's got a job to do like you know the crew it it moves so fast so you just kind of expect to go in and just like do it, um, to be completely honest, and that maybe that's not always the case. But um, with the pressures of, and actually that that specific scene had been rewritten almost overnight, m- maybe over the course of two days, but probably overnight because we got a script and um, I think the day before that was it had been moved inside and they've been moving most of the scenes outside so that we had ventilation for COVID but then there was a snowstorm so they had to rewrite it inside so like they're all stressing because all obviously all of their um, storyboarding all of their plan has been completely um, thrown so I don't know it's very much like you're expected to turn up and do the job there's no like it's like chaos yeah it's chaos there's not very little or like um positive reinforcement, which definitely is 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 tough because it's hard to put something out there and like not know. I can remember really struggling with that, being like, does anyone want to tell? Like, oh, it's just like and then all a lot of the focus at that point was going on to Caleb because he'd never done any acting before, he'd never done anything. And um, he God bless him. Like that was a really hard first time ever on camera. And his job in that moment was to like grab all the attention and embarrass me and like get me out of the room so we we're trying to just get stuff that was like you know something that he could latch on to so i was finding myself kind of directing him a little bit which was interesting to be like no like get me out of the room like you won't damage my skirt like just get me out of the room like because it's the whole thing goes goes you know it's like a domino effect from that but yeah i mean richard was lovely like right off the bat when we we're doing the line run for that scene i think i said yeah I could never repeat and he was like I could think of a couple of ways or <laughs> whatever like he's very much the class clown but yeah I mean we're both from Glasgow like people have been like did he put you off or whatever I'm like I mean he, you know he's more comfortable than I am 100% so like he can he can get away with a lot more definitely but you know when the cameras aren't rolling like we're both from Glasgow sarcasm like I basically bleed sarcasm like that's very much my banter like you know so and I think that's that's the similarity between like her and Roger because it's just like a little taste of home and you know yeah she's not got any. She's not very you know comfortable and needs help so but I think
0: see like and I think that's probably like a nice intro for you because you're working on set you don't really know anyone you're not really expecting to break into anybody's like secret you know kind of friend circle you go to do your job and then like you meet Richard you guys both happen to be from the same place joking around as you know you did more episodes and maybe you know you cross paths with other people that you might not have been acting with like Sam or, or Kat. I feel like maybe you know, and I could be wrong because I'm I'm not on set, but maybe like it was a little easier or maybe you know, because you're not like a one timer like you're not in one episode in two second scene and you're gone. Because you're like a kind of like revolving character and you're in multiple episodes. I would assume like then they come up to you and if they're about to do something, they're like, Hey, like, nice to meet you. Like, you know, That kind of thing. So is that kind of
1: how it like slowly kind of goes as you're Yeah. But the the scenes with Sam and Kat, there was always a lot of people other people on set, like um along with background, and there was a lot of things going on. But yeah, that was what really struck me was like how lovely, how lovely they were. Um, like right off the bat, and just complete, you know, we were filming in the worst (laughs) conditions. I mean, it, it was, you know, it was January, there was snowstorm, all the snow that you see is real. I mean, it was beautiful, but it was bloody cold, and we've got fingerless gloves, which are beautiful, but um, not no good to man or beast. And um, yeah, so I think you know there was moments where, like me and Sam, were talking about um, as we we've both worked in um, the same theaters and stuff, and he was telling me about that kind of stuff. While he was like really concerned about my fingers, that looked like they were going to fall off. Just like we were just very very friendly, and I think um, yeah, it's testament to just like not be. Don't be a dick. And I think with me and Richard, um, it was a little bit. We got on, but it took a little bit more time because I think, um, I was really nervous. Like I, I remember we were about to do the scene with the frog, and I was had to like cry and all this, and I had a very clear because in the book I had a very clear idea of what how that scene would go, and then it turned up and the frog didn't move, and like we had to like change stuff and, um, like all of that just. I was I was nervous about it, and obviously it was my first scene with him. And um, I I'd gone up to him because we'd just done a, this when he's given a sermon at the church, because of COVID, most of his everybody else was outside, and they just kept me in to like have an eye line with. And he had to give this big sermon about fear or whatever, like um, to which ended up not it ended up just being voiceover in the final edit. He had to just gives this huge speech like he was minister really you know confidently and and I remember like afterwards like we were walking up to the tent and I hadn't properly got to speak to him just like one-on-one and we were filming the next scene the next day and I just said to him like well done like that was really really good and he was like oh like thank you whatever like and and it I think everybody has you know it's weird for me to go up to someone like that and be like you did good like as if that's not fucking obvious but also (laughs) like who doesn't like to be kind of I don't know because that's that's the thing that I think you miss doing tv and film as opposed to theater you get instant um response like Yeah. yeah when you're um like I was just in. I mean it was it was a comedy and there was definitely moments of you know there was there was audiences where it was a bit quieter and you were like okay you know you need to kind of ease into things you know how to kind of land jokes and land lines in a way that will get the punch like you know it's like it's a total, totally different thing but there's just none of that and and when everyone's doing their own jobs and you're expected to be able to do their job i mean him certainly is expected to be able to do to, to play roger like of course he is like he you know he's very similar to that character and um you know he's doing his own accent so if there's there's not a, a lot of room to kind of necessarily get that wrong but he pitched it so well and so so you know earnestly and stuff and I wanted to kind of tell him that and I think that was kind of eventually what kind of broke the ice a little bit because it was just like thanks like I recognized you as like another actor that like just it's just nice yeah to and him.
0: I think I re- I read that oh my god like to have to act that with one person sitting there, and then and then on both ends, you know. So like, it's great, like for Richard, I get it, the eye line, but then having to act like that—that there's a whole room full. And then we ended up not really seeing that. But then for you too, like it's almost like you know, like when someone sings to you and you're sitting and they're staring at you, and you're like, ah, I feel uncomfortable because like you're the only one like sitting in the room. So like, you both have to be in the moment to where it's believable. I think when. Weird things like that happen because of television, like these weird kind of things that they have to throw you in last minute, or these changes, or the snow, or like whatever comes up. And COVID, I think, although difficult, bonds you. And I feel like, in a way, you got in at a good time because of all of these issues, because everybody was going through it. So it's almost like you can kind of relate just as a human being. Like, you just like, I'm gold, you're gold. Like, this is, you know, and then I'll start joking, and everybody kind of just does yeah. what
1: they had to do to get by that was that was probably the first thing that he'd said to me was like thanks for staying in for an eyeline because like I think someone gave me the option to to go back to like the easy up or whatever. and I was like no like I mean because the reality of being an actor you know you know being a working actor the when you're going in between different jobs and stuff is that like it's not it's not that I wanted to quit acting you know because I absolutely adore this job like when I'm doing it I adore it unfortunately the reality for most actors is that they maybe you know get to do it two three months out of the year and the rest of the time they're like grafting or doing other jobs or whatever so like when I'm on a set I want to be on the set like I want to and also like the screenwriting and directing and starting to direct for film as well I'm kind of like I want to know what lines is going on I want to know why they're choosing to do that shot why they're cutting to that like I want to be and you don't get that so it just it it seems madness to me to kind of be like yeah I'm going to just like peace out you know and you can do that when you've when you're working for six years on something that's when that kind of and it's not a bad attitude it's just like I need to rest because I'm also in tomorrow or I maybe wasn't in the next day or whatever so I just like was very much laughing you know soaking it all up as much as I could
0: well no Um, you you did such a great job and you know for I read the books and what I try to do I read them all but what I try to do is Like, before the new season, I'll read the book that's, like, attached to that season. Because, like, you forget. Like, there's so much to try to, like, remember. So, like, I was reading it. And then I think it was, like, halfway through. And, like, they they had already entered your character because it was such a shortened season. And we, you know, as press, we get them early. So, like, I had watched a lot of it. I just remember going, wait. So, she doesn't, like, hit on him or, like, try to steal him, right? Because, like, that was, like, the first, like, instinct. And I'm sure, like, a lot of people, if they don't read the books, are going, Who's Amy? Like, why is she like taking all of Roger's time? But then, like, when you really get to know her, and then you hear obviously, like, Roger's solely with Brianna and had no, you know, didn't even think like that thought didn't even cross his mind. But that this woman, like, to just like realize that this woman literally lost her husband, mm-hmm. came over, is completely alone, and someone is willing to build her cabin. And help her, and like they're giving her food and like helping her survive on her feet till she could grow her garden, till she get her stuff kind of up and running was like amazing to me. And like I said, you did such a good job. And I don't know with the makeup and the clothes or whatever, but. When I first saw you, I was like, "Oh my god, she's so pretty!" Like, and like, you—it's not that you don't look pretty on the show, but it's like everything's pulled back, everything's very reserved yeah. and very, and like, like, it should be. It's the, a time period, right? Like, so everything's kind of pulled back, and you don't see that much, and you're wearing like a, little, you know, a hat and things like that. So I kept going, like every time I would see pictures, of it, I'm like, "Oh my god, she's so pretty!" They must have had to work so hard to like pull everything back and take all of this off and know no, of, it's like, very. Costume. I guarantee you, it's it's ex-
1: very much the opposite.
0: <laughs> like, no, it, I think it's extremely. Really hard to make you look like a, a normal. I always call it like a normal human being. Like I wake up and I look like normal. Like that's how I felt like it was like when Outlander people come on, I'm like, oh, they look like me, like normal. And then like I see them in real life, and I'm like, oh no, they're still pretty and perfect. No, no,
1: no. I, <laughs> but, no, don't ever say that. You have <laughs> got I, I like the guarantee. You, you have got it wrong. I have a ring light on, I have makeup on, I have the zoom blur my face slightly, very slightly. but I have more wrinkles than this I have acne I'm a normal person
0: anyone listening to this is crazy she's beautiful you're crazy
1: but um, no, I I, I mean, I, I, I'm gonna fight that because it's just I don't look like this w- what you're saying right now I don't look like that I look like how I look in Outlander because I feel like it's really but dark. even an
0: Outlander I mean it's not like you're like ugly in Outlander like yeah, I still have makeup like well this is the thing
1: an Outlander. Is just, as they go it's they just they you pull down. a
0: lot back that's all like yeah. like an the Outlander you and go oh my god she's so under i saw her like i saw amy and i was like oh she's like pretty and nobody would have thought that roger you know might have straight like you know because that was kind of like what some people were thinking yeah. if the book we wouldn't have thought that if you were like, Oh, like this is some unattractive one. Like you were, like, you're pretty. So like, obviously it's like an attractive woman and this guy is helping her. And you know, it's a little at the time, I guess for the time period, it's a little odd if you're married to yeah. helping like a yeah. single woman, all this stuff, his reasoning may make sense. And because they're from a different time, it mm-hmm. all makes sense. So, mm-hmm. so to us, but I remember in the very beginning, I was like, because everything's so pulled back and so reserved and you're in these dresses and what everyone kind of has to wear, everyone looks different, you know, like Dad, Sam, all that, everybody looks different. I think, so, you know, Amy as a character, I found so interesting because she didn't give up and, you know, and they're giving her and helping her obviously to help her survive, but I'm excited, you know, towards the end, because there was so much drama going on. We didn't get to see, you know, too much of where Amy is and like kind of how she's progressing. And so, you know, I'm hoping, and again, I know you can't say anything, But I'm, I I know that, you know, a couple episodes were filmed this season for next season. So I'm assuming some of those might have you in them, but I'm hoping that for season six, we see a little more, almost like a status update of how you're doing, because I would be so happy to just see you, you know, with your kids and like, see, and I say, you see Amy with her kids and like in a nice, you know we obviously saw the cabin but like in a much more filled out cabin in a much nicer you know having your garden growing and then maybe some really nice guy that doesn't care that you have kids comes along and like I I just hope we see you next season yeah
1: I want I want our set up we need to like yeah I want like a bachelor kind of Fraser's Ridge crossover where We just like have our date Like fill everybody there's so many There are so many eligible single Men on the, 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 the On the ridge that are like absolute tens like You know yes yeah
0: uh, I, Like everyone's good on this show you guys Are all good looking it's like ridiculous so like I, I pictured like if we, if Alan was turned into a reality show, I feel like everybody would just be hooking up with everybody because like everybody's just so attracted.
1: Like there's if there's nothing liked. else to do, but. there's no TV, there is no Outlander and <laughs> Outlander, there is no binging, there is only. Yeah, I mean, what you're going to do when you're like, when your home's being invaded, you're going to have sex. That's what you're going to do. Uh, yeah, like what in else the you do? And the, or, or in a tent, oh my God, those scenes. Can I just give a shout out to Vanessa Coffey, who's the intimacy co- coordinator on this season, who worked on those two scenes with um and cat and um, i mean you know i wasn't there (laughs) that would have been weird but i have (laughs) those sex scenes in that last episode were so um just so brilliant um
0: yeah i definitely and you know what it's funny too because there wasn't one obviously and like you know sam kind of like advocated for that and i was wondering i'm like well you know how does that work because they kind of know each other already and everyone's kind of done one does it make a difference and in that last episode, that was the first, you know, it had been many episodes since we had kind of seen a scene anyway, but um, obviously the coordinator, I think was there for the first, but in that last episode, it was definitely apparent because the way it looked so much more realistic. Um, and so, and the way it was shot, I was like, I feel like I'm seeing something I shouldn't see. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it was yeah. very intimate, yeah. very um, yeah. together. So then you go, ah, oh, that's what they do.
1: Like yeah. that's how I they
0: work. elevate
1: Jamie Payne that directed that blog I didn't get to um uh, work with that director but like yeah I've been speaking to Vanessa because I knew Vanessa from my days at RCS she taught me um when I was at the conservatoire and um and she's been brought on this and yeah obviously like the director did an incredible job as well but like yeah, I mean, there is so much. I mean, yeah, there's a whole other podcast to talk about the
0: because yeah. there, there's on so much. There's the so much involved in there, and and you know, not to say that any of the scenes you know prior to having a coordinator were bad. Oh, cool. Obviously, yeah. people were obsessed with them. You know, we all loved to see all these like intimate scenes mm-hmm. with them. But it's you can hot. notice a difference. You can notice yeah. like that there was someone that came in, and how it was lit, and how it was shot, and things that were moved, and also. Behind the scene things that we're not involved in as viewers. So, the things that they do for you to make you feel more comfortable, I think, is very important too. So, it's like props to Sam and Cat for Sophie and Richard for doing things where they had figured out, right? Like, are you okay if I do that? Am I okay? Okay. And they're yeah. doing all of that stuff. But when you have someone come in, I think you feel so much more comfortable and almost like you have a voice too, because you might feel uncomfortable yeah. saying something to someone else that you're working with. Like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. But you have a third party that's neutral, that all they're there is to make sure you're comfortable, yeah. the other person's comfortable, and it looks good. My favorite episode of the whole show of the season, season was the finale. And I felt like it was because those those scenes in particular, I went like, whoa, like, you know, those were very different. And that's where I like kind of saw it and understand. Cause I think when Sam first announced it, people were like, well, why they've been doing it for, I'm like, yeah, but you have to understand like, you know, women might not feel comfortable saying a certain thing. doesn't matter how close you are with somebody. Like you just might not feel comfortable or as an actor, why do you have to worry about that on top of everything else? Like, oh, we, God, exactly. like there's so yeah. many things you have to worry about. Let someone else handle that and come in yeah. and just tell you, move here, move that. You know, don't worry. This is what's going to show this one, and you don't even have to think about it. So yeah. I think that just el- eliminated a lot of them having to like worry about it. And I think for future actors, that is going to make a huge difference for any other ones that have scenes that are intimate like that, bringing somebody on.
1: So it's so essential. I think that it's you know it's been a long, a long, long time coming because obviously you would never do, you're never going to do the Battle of Culloden, or they're never going to do a a, a fight between. You know, to people without it being choreographed, it is choreography really at the end of the day. Like it's making sure that you don't damage another person. The
0: invention of this coordinator, um, I think, should be mandatory for every. Like you know, this new kind of like title, I think, should be mandatory on every set, and I can't believe for so many years and for so many sets and so many movies
1: it was like yeah we'll we'll work it out crazy i think the next step up from that is like just to say that obviously there are assaults and things that take place on set and on jobs where you're currently on that job and there might be you know policy in place to help you but what a lot of people um myself including are um included are experiencing is that obviously those policies and, and that safety net that's now been put in place on a job does often fail freelancers because we're going from job to job and and quite often you're working with people that are you know it might not necessarily have been like oh you do this for me and you get and I will give you this job. But you know, it's like lateral, you know, abuse where it. it's people that are your peers that you're then and people that you know and friends that you know, like it is an absolute mess. And I think, you know, I've been trying to advocate a lot for um other people, but you know, it's there's only so far you can do it on your own. So like try to work with equity and things and anything that we can do to have systems in place for that, because when you get a cast list in and there's someone on that name that you cannot and will not work with but Mm. as someone who is not you know you know if you're not in the film who's going (laughs) to know and that is really where the the really tricky things you know yeah and
0: I think I do think that's important for people to, to realize and hear because I and I've also been on a lot of sets
1: and when I've been on sets
0: and I've seen something happen or I've seen someone say something and like you know you report it um you're risking your job because the person that you're most likely reporting is making more than you and is a star or whatever on the show. And I've seen those reports kind of get buried. Sometimes it kills me when I hear like, I'll hear like someone's name and they go, Oh my God, I love them. I love everything they do. And I want to be like, ah, like if you only knew like the stuff that was going on, but people don't know. And, that's a huge problem in this industry like you know if you go to the higher ups quote unquote and you make a complaint like that should be filed that should be available for yeah, public yeah. that should be and a lot of times it's like well you know what don't worry next time we won't have you work with that or don't worry this won't happen again or leave you, won't you know, be alone
1: we'll with him Yeah. or
0: like right or now. you know we'll give you like three extra scenes and we'll put you somewhere with someone else it's all always to protect that person mm-hmm. that did it And it's never to protect the person that got something done to them, whatever it was. And I've seen it on sets, and I've actually, you know, I have a big mouth, so like I've actually said something, you know, like I've walked up and like this is unacceptable, you know, unacceptable, and I've said stuff. But the fact that like you would even have to think to say something is ridiculous. Like, so I agree with you. There needs to be protocols, not only you know, obviously where you work, but I think are all around the board. Like SAG needs to have policies in place, and like there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I mean. The beginning of an internet uh, of a intimate coordinator is nice, but you know, there's so many other things on a kind of positive just like kind of swing it back, you know, you did notice a difference. And so it's very apparent that it's needed, you know, because I noticed a difference as a viewer. And so, you know, I'm excited to see kind of, you know, like where things go. And like I said, I would love for us to get an update on Amy. And I'm hoping we see you all of next season, is there, I know, I know they're like super tight lipped with everything, but, um, there are four episodes from the season airing next season. So I'm crossing my fingers that you're in one of those. Will we keep seeing Amy? Like, cause she is on the Ridge. I mean, and you know, there are issues. I know Ridge abound <laughs> within the Ridge that will be coming up, but like, you know, will we keep seeing her because, She's. Li- I. I don't picture her moving anytime soon. So.
1: Well, I hope. I mean, I hope so. Like, yeah. I Obviously, can't see anything. But like, you know, I know she's in all of the other books. Um. And, like, yeah, I haven't read. I haven't read. I. I've not read the rest of them yet. Um. I've not read book nine. So listen. I haven't people.
0: read book nine either. I'm a little oh, behind. Okay. So I haven't either.
1: on that. Um. But yeah. So yeah. I hope. Yeah. I hope we see her again. And uh yeah because I you know I think she becomes like a a a lovely I I think it's like a more recent journey of someone that's sort of like still not settled there and um yeah I'd love to see her I'd love to see her shack up with a man for sure yeah
0: and it's a it's a really beautiful I think Amy has a really beautiful story too so like I'm kind of excited to see people see it and I think you do such a great job like playing her it's so believable. I mean, like literally like from the second you came on screen, I was like, oh, like, I feel for this woman. And like, it's just so believable. There was no, there wasn't a single second where I like, you know, where I, I watched it and I pulled out and went, who is this actress or like, who's this? I was just in and I was, and just so believed by everything that you said and did. and just felt so much for you because we are in present day, obviously, and what that must've felt like and what that must be like. And I think so many women relate to your character, and so I'm excited to see them kind of see her hopefully um you know evolve um as the books evolve you know because she is in, in, in them and there's more stuff coming hopefully we get to I mean, kind of yeah see we'll
1: see like the, the screen you know the writers have do an incredible job like adapting existing material and such good existence and you know Diane is an incredible incredible writer like there's so much gold in those books and they can't use everything. So like, Very I know, true. you know, like I, I know that that's not always possible. And, you know, she's stuck. She's, she's on the ridge to, to, um, for good. So I think. There's a lot about Amy and I think like, I think we all want to follow her. So
0: I'm keeping my fingers crossed. We love you. You're so amazing mm-hmm. on the show, you know, I'll end with like, I always like to give you guys, you know, time. If you want to like promote any new projects and you're working on, I know you talked about a lot of your writing, Stuff. Um. Hopefully more Outlander stuff. I'll say it, you can't. Hopefully more <laughs> Outlander stuff. I don't know. I have no secret script either. But hopefully more Outlander stuff that we'll see you on. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, I'm on. I'm a. I'm definitely on socials. Um. For my sense. But yeah, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. And um. Yeah, I've got loads of behind the scenes stuff to still post. So I'm on um, Instagram, Twitter at. Joanne Thompson without a P22. So give me a follow and give me a shout, and I'll um, like all your stuff and follow you too. Got, obviously, I'm working on this pilot I can't properly speak about, but it's like this incredible queer geriatric adventure with two queer leads. To female career leads over 60 it's like a road trip it's in scotland and america so it's very much an outlander yay. fans um uh wavelength and yeah i'm working on something with um mark roley who plays finn in in the last kingdom and uh he's having I me on. To talk... oh yeah um he's having <laughs> me on to talk about um writing and sort of tips that you know i've I've learned from other people and things that have, have worked for me, um, and we're raising money. Um, all the all the funds and tickets are donated to the um, humanitarian crisis and. Uh, Ukraine, so um yeah okay, that should okay. be open so i'll put that on my instagram and i will be at outlandish vancouver in seattle and um, the convention oh, that's there october september i oh.
0: want to thank you so thank you so much for coming um and then we look forward to like all of your future things and i have a feeling this is not the last time we'll be having you on so we'll we'll be talking again about a ton of stuff <laughs>